You're listening to Women Making Waves. Next, we're going to be speaking to Jerry Bird. Now, Jerry Bird is the mayor of Cambridge, and I, I wanted to to bring her in to interview her because she's mayor and because she's also in a wheelchair. So there must be challenges, but it hasn't stopped her. When I started um, really investigating, you know how how we do. We do a little bit of research, don't we, before we have guests? We do. In. I discovered the story of her life, and I was absolutely blown away. So when she came in, I said, "Look, are you happy to speak about the story?" of your life because quite frankly it's like something out of a you know out of a novel out of a film I mean it's just an amazing story and she went yeah absolutely I love this interview and I think she is probably one of the most inspirational people and we've had a lot of them on these programme haven't and, we and as you say she was very keen to talk about it and, oh yes and quite proud as well and so she should be mm. I think she's one of the most inspirational people that we've had on this programme and that's what this programme is all about absolutely so next up, we will be listening to Jerry Bird talking to Linda Ness about her life. But I've managed to be the first citizen of this city and it shows you that if you want to do something, you can achieve it. It doesn't matter what disability you've got, go for it. I'm joined by Mayor of Cambridge, Jerry Bird. She has an extraordinary tale to tell. Her life reads like something out of a Barbara Taylor Bradford novel. Jerry, thank you very much for joining us today on Women Making Waves. Your life, as I said, just sounds like something out of a film. Can you tell us what happened? Where were you born? It wasn't in Cambridge, was it? No, I was born in Cork. Southern Ireland, a little place called Black Rock in a, a nun's convent. In a nun's convent? Yeah, it's a mother and baby unit they had there um, in them how, days. How did that happen then? My mum came from Coachford, it's a little village outside of Cork, and she fell pregnant. She was 18. And in those days, and that was a Catholic, big thing. Mm. Catholic girl. And my grandfather was the guardian in the village. Oh. Of course, that brought disgrace to them. So she was put into the, the home. Was that as soon as they found out she was pregnant? Yes. So she spent a long time there before you were born? Yeah, yeah. Probably not a terribly nice place, am I No, it wasn't. There's a book, Candle in the Window, it's called The Midwife, wrote the stories of what it was like there. And she left in 52, where I was born in 55, so... They had them out working and doing hard labour, Cutting they? the grass on their knees and with scissors, laundry with work. With scissors? With scissors, laundry work. It was terrible. So it was a kind of punishment, I It was a punishment, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, horrible. And they didn't get any medical help when they were given birth unless it was Absolutely really bad time. Absolutely required. And that place is being inquired about because they found lots of bodies in the, the ground, haven't they? Awful. Yeah. Awful. awful. But she successfully delivered you. And what yep. happened next? Well, I was about 10 months old and I caught polio. So, of course, then I couldn't stay in the home, so they had to put me into hospital. And my mum was sent away from the home because there was no need for her to be there. So they she had to, get... to stay with you, had she? I plan? don't know because some of the babies who stayed longer and then they would suddenly disappear because they'd been adopted and mm. the mothers had no choice. Oh. Of course, my grandparents didn't want to know. So it came to the point where she had to leave 
I presume the nuns got in touch with the family and she was banished to England where her sister was in London, my auntie, Auntie Connie. And in the meantime, I was left at the hospital in Cork and stayed there till I was seven. It's so hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, I had no visitors. You know, that someone alive today like you are, Mm. that actually happened to you as a baby. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's shocking really, isn't it? I'd had hundreds of operations on my legs and stuff. Come to the time where I needed to leave. Of course, then they had to find my mother and they found her. They found her in Cambridge on Histon Road she lived. But in the meantime, she'd married and got two boys and my stepfather didn't know nothing about me. So she had to tell him. Yes. That must have been terrifying it, it for her. It must have been horrible. must have been awful. I wouldn't want to do it, would you? But then I guess, wouldn't she have been thinking all these years this day might come? I, well, perhaps so, uh, unless she thought I, I was adopted. I don't know. Yeah. Never got the chance to ask, you see, because she passed away. I remember her picking me up from the station because I was brought over by aeroplane, then to station into Cambridge. And I can remember this woman, she gave me a toy. Was she pleased to see you, do you think? I think so, but then at that age, you don't understand so much, do you? There's little things I remember. Anyway, so I ended up living with them for six months. And then social services come and took me away. And why was that? Because my stepfather was being cruel to me. Do you remember anything about that? There's little things that come in my mind, but I haven't really gone deep with it. Uh-huh. Do you understand? Yeah. You maybe don't want to. Either. Yeah, yeah. So I was put into Midfield's Children's Home in Oakington, and I really enjoyed it there. You liked that there? Yeah, it was all the kids and the, the manager or the person who was in charge, Mr Brown, and his wife, they were lovely, and they had a dog and used to go down the sh- local shop and spend your little bit of pocket money you got. But then it comes to the time they were trying to find where to put me. They thought I was institutionalised, which I probably was in a way because I'd been in that sort of environment, environment yeah. all that time. Yeah. Anyway, I've got paperwork of all the different homes they tried and they were looking at to put me. But luckily one social worker said, now we've got to give this child a chance. So let's see if we can get her adopted or fostered. So they put out a call uh, to the Catholic Church on Hills Road saying that there was this Catholic girl and she needed a home but she was disabled. And then we had a few families come along. The family that ended up with me, I knew I was the favourite because there was three of us in line, so three girls. Oh, never awful. You never knew which one was going to be picked and you saw these people and they'd stay for about an hour. And then when they left, those other two girls got sixpence each and I got a shilling. (laughs) So I knew I was the favourite, you see. (laughs) You have to laugh, don't you? Oh, my goodness me. So (laughs) then you start having weekends away with them and days out and things, and then it comes to the point where you go and live with them. How did that go? Okay, I had my own bedroom and everything. Um, Two elder brothers. Yeah, it was okay. And the social workers were there monitoring monitoring Uh everything and stuff. And then it came to the point where, well, we've got to get this child some education. Because up till then, what what had your education been like? Well, um, how old would you be then? I was 10, yes, coming on 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd been to a, a special school, but all you did was play or have exercises. 
they showed you how to cook. And this was like because that. you weren't able to walk very well. I had calipers, leg calipers. Uh-huh. So you could walk, I, but you were in calipers. I was in, I was always falling over and breaking them or whatever, you know. I was a tomboy. <laughs> so. so in between that and my adoption, they were looking at schools. At the end, my adoption happened when I was 12. And then I went in that September to St Beats. So I got da- adopted in July. The next day I was in hospital having my appendix out. Oh. <laughs> it all happened at once. <laughs> and then I went into the secondary school, St Bede's, uh-huh. on Birdwood Road. I only lived across the road from it, so it was quite easy to get to school. And, of course, I couldn't read or write. So straight away I was at a disadvantage. So at the end there was this one teacher, and do you know, I cannot remember her name. I, I wish I could who taught me in a year how to read and write. She had patience and she just sat yes. down with you. But then you would. You weren't stupid. No. Just because you couldn't walk particularly well or you yeah. had calipers, they put you in a school where they weren't giving you any education. How yeah. shocking is that? That's bad. You wouldn't happen that Well, I'd hope it, well you would hope now. it would not. I yeah. don't think it would but, happen now. No. So I learned to read and write, but because in them days you could leave school at 15, well, education-wise, I wasn't going to go any further. So I had to leave school at 15. So really, I only had three years of schooling. But that hasn't held you back. What happened next then? When I was looking for a job, I wanted to go and work at Marks and Spencer's, believe it or not. I don't know why, but Marks and Spencer's wouldn't have me in, in, in the shop. I had to go and work outside, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the warehouse. I weren't having that. <laughs> I didn't want to work in the warehouse. I wanted to work in the shop shop. Of course, in them days, there was nothing like you've got now where they have to employ disabled people. Mm-hmm. So I had to look at a different avenue. So I ended up working at Mercedes-Benz Garage, Malonian Roads, down Pern Road, which is only down the road from where I lived. I went in some fantastic cars, mind you, <laughs> Gullwing and everything. Um, they used to bring me home and everything. So I worked there for a while. And yeah. you enjoyed that? Yeah, it was all right. So what were you doing there? Was it secretarial the work? Secretarial work. Yeah. I found it boring, to be honest, because <laughs> I like the thought of meeting people, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I managed to stay there, I think, a couple of years, and then I moved on, and then I I think I started doing electronics, you know, making PCB boards and stuff. Oh, yes. I tried all different things. (laughs) Worked at Tesco's once. um, Yeah. (laughs) And when I was at school, I was working on a Saturday at Woolworths. Oh, yes. Yes, on the record store, Uh and next to the sweets. Uh Oh, I love that little job. (laughs) Which was it? The music of the, the sweets. sweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fell out. Yeah, we'll have that one, you know. But, uh, yeah. And and then, of course, I met my other half and we got married and and then I had my first daughter. Mind you, I was glad. I wanted to leave the house anyway because I wasn't happy there. So I think as soon as I could, I got out. Why was that? They they were nice to you, were they? They were They were kind? There were some issues, let's put it like that, oh, which okay. weren't very nice for my respect. Oh. And I told my mother, my adopted mother, that mm-hmm. she wouldn't listen. I see. So I knew the best way was to get out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what I done. So I got married early, just mm. after I was 16. Wow, that is early. Yeah. But anyway, I carried on working and everything. And then I had my first daughter when I was 18. Oh, that was fantastic really was because I'd never had anything of my own 
I suppose, do you un- yes. Do you understand where I'm coming yes. from? So I'd got this baby and she was mine and no one was going to take her. And she was her. your blood. and Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when I was 21, I had my second daughter. I was over the moon again. So mm-hmm. I'd got my two babies. I would have liked another one, but history wouldn't let me so anyway then I had a horrific marriage by somebody who was violent to me for 10 years so I went through all the battered wife bit as well going to the battered wife's home coming back again because he promised he wouldn't do it again that Mm -hmm. sort of thing after 10 years that was it done it one more time and that was it I was gone so we got divorced and everything but we carried on with the girls and carried on a normal life, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose my girls were getting older and I was thinking, what am I going to carry on doing? You know, I'd worked at Addenbrooke's, giving out the meals with these heavy trolleys, even with my calipers. <laughs> and they were getting a bit older and I thought, what am I going to do with my life? Because I didn't feel like my life was over. So I'd done a, another secretarial course, and business course, and I was getting quite active with disability issues. Got another office job because things were getting harder for me walking-wise. And then I joined a disability organisation, Directions Plus, and I never looked back. That changed things then for you? My life changed. And I felt like I was doing it for me now. I'm a... Is it because you had a cause? I think because my disability was getting worse and I was getting a bit older, well, not that, that old, in my 30s, I found things I couldn't do because there was barriers in the way. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this isn't right. And then I knew they were looking into this Disability Discrimination Act and I got more and more involved with that. Ended up being a manager, helping disabled people around the county. Won an award from Tony Blair because of the work I'd done in that year. And it's just gone on from there. <laughs> And how did you get into politics? What well, was that drive? Well, I always voted. That was a thing you did in them uh-huh, days, uh-huh, didn't you? Uh-huh. And I used to hear my dad saying things about Labour and stuff. So I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. So I used to listen. And you begin to read, don't you, as you get a little bit older and listen to the news more. And I thought, oh, I'd like to try to be a councillor. No, I couldn't be a councillor. So I went off to one of the meetings at the Labour Party and it went on from there. I tried five times to become a councillor and I got in at the end. Mm-hmm. Keep biting a bit more of the bullet and more people were getting to know me in my yeah. ward and stuff like that. Yeah. And I actually stood for parliamentary candidate as well against Daniel Zeitner the first time. Uh-huh. And I came third out of 20 people. And I'd never, ever done anything like that before. Is that something that you'd still be interested in pursuing? Oh, I think I'm getting a bit too old for that. I don't think you are. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I'm getting a bit old for that. You need a bit of common sense in that place. Yeah, yeah, well, this is true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the way things are going. So at the end, I was doing this big campaign about line yard toilets when they tried to close them. I'd been to the council meetings. I wasn't a councillor then and said, you can't take them upstairs because as many disabled people need the toilet desperately. Yes. And if you put them upstairs, it's going to make it even harder for them. And mums with kiddies who are training them. So they said, no, they were going to close them. I said, OK, I'll be back. (laughs) That sounds ominous. Yes. (laughs) So set up the petition 
and there was quite a few of us standing outside there in the winter. It was freezing cold. And in six weeks, we got over 11,000 signatures. In six weeks? Yes. That's good going. We were all standing out there. People were signing because they didn't want the toilets closed either. Then I went back to the council and I handed in the petition, biggest one they've ever had. And I saved the toilets. (laughs) And then, of course, Labour took over council and I managed to get in as a council. I think people realised that I will fight for things. And then straight away I was the mayor of Cambridge. Was never a deputy or anything straight in. That must have been a bit of a shock to the system. Oh it was but it was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed that year. I really did. I met so many people. Anyway I got on to the meeting where they were designing these new toilets and I asked I wanted a left-hand toilet and a right-hand toilet disabled for people who couldn't use their right or left. Anyway, I did all the plans and everything. As mayor, I opened the toilets. And that was, I think... <laughs> that was the icing on the cake. That's right. So stopped them being closed, worked on the design and then opened them. In funny. different capacities. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Did you ever think when you were a child and you moved to Cambridge... It's a bit like Dick Whittington, really, isn't it? Did you ever think you'd be the mayor? No, never. And especially not being educated. When you think about it, I had three years of education, but I've managed to be the first citizen of this city. And it shows you that if you want to do something, you can achieve it. doesn't matter what disability you've got, go for it. And a lot of disabled people don't have the confidence to do things. If they could get that just that little bit of confidence, they're surprised how big the world would open up for them. And I, I met my family, by the way. I have four brothers and a sister. How I found them was through the internet, believe it or not, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'd got my paperwork and I'd rung my grandmother, who was still alive then, but she wouldn't tell me where my mum was. So I knew she'd gone over on this £10 thing to Australia. Mm -hmm. So I looked on the web and I found two names because my mother's name was Vera, married name, which is a very unusual name. Mm. And I found one in Australia and one in New Zealand. I wrote them a letter asking if they had any information on her. And the one in Australia rung me up and he wanted to know why I needed information about Eileen, which was my mum's name. And I said, well, she's my mother and I'm trying to find her. It went quiet for me and then he went, well, I'm your brother then. Oh, can you imagine what that was like? (laughs) I was gobsmacked. And anyway, we started talking and he told me the sad news that I'd missed mum by six months. Oh. So if my grandmother had given me the address, I would have met my mum before she died. But your grandmother didn't want anything to do with you, I'm assuming? No, no I was a devil child, I was, oh, you know. Shocking, really. Even it? this day and age, you know. They all did contact me. My sister was the last one to contact. She was in shock. She was angry because she'd always said to my mum, I want a sister, why don't you adopt? But they said mum was always funny at the time of November. Well, that's when I was born. Mm -hmm. And at Christmas, she was a bit sad. So they understand now. she was remembering then. Yeah. So I went over to Australia to to meet her. My sister had to step back 
because she said it was like mum coming down the passageway. You must look like her. I look as a spitting image of my mum. Gosh. I couldn't believe it when I saw the photograph. And we've met a few times and we're in contact, which is great. So I've got another family. I've got my family. Do you understand where I'm coming from now? Yeah, yeah. So the internet helped me find my family. But yes, I have a pile of papers and the paper where I left the home with one pair of knickers, one borrowed. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, (laughs) that was one vest, one borrowed, you know. Things like that. I've got everything. And people keep saying to me, you ought to write a book. You ought to write a book. And I hope that you do. Jerry Bird, you're absolutely inspirational. You've had three years of education and quite a tough life. And as I say, they should turn it into a film, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's should. an idea, you isn't need, it? You need yeah. to go off and write that book right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah I Thank think you so, very Linda. much for coming in and telling us your story. Thank you very much, and I really enjoyed it. And that was the Mayor of Cambridge, Jerry Bird, talking to Linda Ness. You're listening to Women Making Waves. 